Welcome to another episode of Ready Teacher One. I'm Adam Mangana. And I'm Ryan McLaughlin, and we are here today with Marcus Howard. Marcus is an esports advisor for Game Credits, which is the first gaming cryptocurrency in history. He's a member of the Blockchain Game Alliance. He's the president of the Tampa Association of Gaming. He's an advisor to Ideagis, which is an international blockchain incubator, and he's a full stack developer on top of all that. Marcus, you're also a guy that I've been connected with on social media for a little while, and I gained so much value from the things you post uh, posted. I learned so much from your posts, and man, we are just excited to have you on the podcast today. Give him a hand for being handsome. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Give him a hand for being handsome. Yeah, the generous. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for the the invitation, the opportunity. Always, again, like we said earlier, love to talk about the intersection of STEAM education and, and video games, and really how do you you inspire the next generation of innovators. So glad to be here. We're excited to talk to you, man. So I guess my first question is just for our listeners who don't know what esports is, would you mind just explaining what we're talking about when we say esports, and then maybe just tell us about how you became interested in this field? Great question. So esports for me is competitive gaming, and, and a bunch of the OGs in the space will, will argue that it started as competitive gaming, and the esports kind of label is really an investor label for competitive gaming. Okay. If you, you think about it, just, just separate the E from the sports as electronic sports. So think about all the traditional sports from teams, um, you know, players, managers, arenas, jerseys, uh, all the infrastructure that makes traditional sports happen. And then think about it in a digital environment. So just like you sit on your couch on Sunday and watch other people play football, you know, you can sit on your couch on Sunday and watch other people play a game. It's another layer of abstraction, but that experience is basically the same. Great. What are some of the most popular esport games right now that you're seeing? It might be a loaded question. I think what, what's what's uh, what's really interesting is that some of the the things that are popular now weren't esports games. You know, six months ago. So if okay. you think about. Fall Guys, I don't know if you've seen that. It's kind of like Fortnite meets American Gladiator. Um, that didn't, yeah, that, that didn't exist until it, it launched in the pandemic. Another one is, is uh, Among Us. It's kind of like the, the old board game Clue, except it's multiplayer in real time. The funny thing is I actually just had a group of seventh graders today asked to show me Among Us, and they were super excited about this game. I had seen some of the characters, I hadn't played it, but they were like, Mr. Ryan, Mr. Ryan, we've got to show you Among Us, it's time. So it's funny that you bring that up. Yeah, and I think what's really interesting about those two games is technically they're indie games, games made by independent game developers. So not like your EA or your Microsoft or your Nintendo, right? These are small teams that are building something that they they are just interested in the concept something unique something novel and it took off that's awesome talk to us a little bit about how esports is coming into the education space um, it's kind of come to our attention recently as we've started to see schools have things like a varsity esports team um, high school competitions at the state level for esports talk to us about what's going on there and, and what you see as sort of the future of esports in the education space. It's it's actively evolving, and there's actually a contested debate around the subject of esports in high schools or or classic esports as a whole. Sure. Because on the one end, 
there's certainly value from like social skills, you know, building social skills and camaraderie and communication that comes with inherently with video games. But I think you see critics of the space, and I'm one of them, is that there's not enough scholastic in our scholastic esports. Okay, say more about that. I feel like I'm not going to name any names of companies because uh, uh, I'm trying to stop doing that. But sure, I, I feel sure. like <laughs> there, there are companies out there that are leaning heavily on just the, the tournament functionality, which again is great. But I, I think they're missing the important part is how do you connect people playing video games to creating either post-secondary opportunities from high school to college or career opportunities from college graduate to new professional in the gaming industry. And most of what's happening in the space is not doing either of the two of those, in my opinion. Do you feel like the, uh, the institutions that are, that are charged with developing the new developers are doing a good job? The, the, the places like Guildhall and USC and some of these other uh, institutions that have, that have invested in game development academic programs do you think they're um meeting their obligation i think they are i don't know those programs specifically but i, I speak to people who who are also who are in the education space who are, are equally as critical of the status quo right now scholastic esports and when i talk to them and about what they're doing they're doing what you're suggesting like how do you build a complementary academic curriculum and experience that integrates gaming and esports and, and is not just kind of an afterthought. Sure. How does blockchain impact esports? Blockchain is a way to create mathematical trust in traditionally untrusted networks or communities. So when you see Bitcoin, it's the first commercial use of blockchain, just like AOL or Hotmail, right, was the first one of the first commercial uses of the internet. Now, 20 years later, Everything runs on the internet. This conversation we're having is over the internet. Right, right. The difference between blockchain and the internet is that the internet was not designed inherently to be encrypted, decentralized, and distributed, right? So when you think about like Equifax, I'm gonna to get to your answer, but I just wanna give you some context. When you think about Equifax and everyone, 54% of Americans getting hacked, the reason that happened was we have a client-server relationship with most businesses. So we all go to this one place where our data is stored and then we get it back to ourselves. So that's a single point of failure and a great place for one person to go to steal things. What blockchain does is introduce this encryption so that A, you don't have a single point of failure. All devices have all the information. And again, it's, it's encrypted. So unless you have the security key, you can't get to it. So the way that blockchain helps esports, if you think about uh, being able to have your payments, and this is from a Bitcoin perspective, right, for payment technology, there are teams who go and play and win tournaments, and players have contracts with their team owners. And you can look and do research. There's been several instances where teams win the money, but the players don't get paid. Okay. If you, you put blockchain in and kind of create code to represent a business process, A, teams can get paid more quickly, and B, you can make sure that people get exactly what they're expecting, what they deserve and what they've earned. So forgive me if this is a silly question. Um, one thing as educators that we hear all the time from parents is concern about their children being on the internet. And obviously child safety is a huge issue. Um, 
is blockchain something that can also help maybe our uh, our esports athletes in high school or younger grades or or just kids in general on the internet? Is this uh, something that's going to help keep them safe in the long run? Do you think? I think it has the potential to do that. I think you could say the same thing about the internet if it was used properly. What I know about blockchain, the way it's evolved, is particularly around the crypto side. Um, in order for people not to get sued into oblivion from the SEC, they had to put in KYC and AML features. KYC is know your customer. AML is anti-money laundering. The same features you have when you go to your bank, right? You can't just get money out of the bank. You can't even just sign up for an account. You have to present your ID, all this information to verify your identity. Lots of blockchain platforms, especially if they deal with payments, right? Cryptocurrency have to adopt these features for security which means if you have an esports platform, you now can grant access to parents, like build a partnership with parents where they know when their kids are playing, who they're communicating with. You can add more security and more trust, again, into traditionally untrusted networks. Does that make sense? It does, for sure, for sure. What do you know about blockchain? And what do you know to be true about blockchain that other uh, entrepreneurs in the blockchain space would disagree with you on? In my opinion, the gaming industry and the esports ecosystem is how blockchain will achieve mass adoption. Okay. So let me break that down for you. There are... I think VR too. We... <laughs> oh, you agree? Yeah, I think you're right. E excellent. So, you know, I showed you this as Super Mario Brothers 3. This is the first time I, I learned about digital items and digital currencies. In this game, there are coins, digital currencies. Right. When you collect 100 coins, you get an extra life, a digital item. Uh, in this game, they also have, you know, the fireball and, and all the different items you collect, right? So, you, can't, you can't forget about the raccoon suit? Yeah, you, you can't forget about the raccoon suit, even though it helps you fly and raccoons can't fly. That's but none of us even questioned that when we were eight years old, right? Right. That's not that's not six year old, eight year old logic. You just, no. you just get to the end of the level, and then it doesn't matter. Run right? fast enough and fly into those coins. It made perfect sense at the time. It, exactly. It just it works. Uh, but, but I learned those concepts here in this game, and it's been reinforced in basically every game I've played since then. So I believe on, on the first side is that people who play video games on a regular basis already understand those concepts of digital items and digital currency. The other thing is that in order to hit mass adoption, you need to have an activity that is digital first and something that happens on a frequent basis, like a daily basis, like drinking coffee, right? One of the reasons that Bitcoin hasn't achieved mass adoption right now is there's two primary activities. There are mining coins, which is verifying blockchain transactions. And there's trading cryptocurrencies on exchanges. The average of American, the average person isn't doing either of those two things. That's like your, your, your hyper niche tech crowd is doing those two things or your investors. But there are 3 billion gamers worldwide. That's 40% of all people on the planet. So if we, if we leverage that audience and the fact that they know about digital items and currencies and implement the blockchain, instant global adoption. How do you think it impacts the way people do school? How does blockchain impact uh, the way people learn? I'm working with a top tier 
NCAA school, and I can't announce the name yet because we're still working on a press release, but we're, we're doing exactly that where we're introducing uh, blockchain into the educational experience so that you can do things like reward students for good attendance or offer extra credit that actually has value outside of the classroom, right? Creating um, personal incentives, digital incentives for behaviors you want to encourage. Wow, that's fascinating. And then if you think from the collegiate standpoint, and I'm sure the two of you are aware, but there's, there's a major issue with people graduating from college and falsifying their degree and their GPAs. Absolutely. Just like you, you can't modify, and the fact that Bitcoin has not been hacked in the last 11 years, so the very first transaction, you can see the details about it and it can't be changed. If you were to put degrees or issue degrees on the blockchain, once you have a system built around that, you can't have people go and like falsify that they attended or graduated a specific university or falsify their GPA because that information is encoded from the school on the blockchain and it's permanent. It's absolutely fascinating. Marcus, what's your advice to any young people listening to this podcast who maybe say, oh man, esports, that's what I want to go into when I grow up. What should they be focusing on in high school? What sort of skills should they be acquiring? Do you think this is a good field to go into in 10 years? Like, what's your advice to the 14, 15 year old, 16 year old kid listening right now? I think they frankly could choose a career in gaming and esports as an alternative to college. Um, wow. Wow. Now you're now, getting now into the controversy. That's it. That's it. Now. I didn't even have to dial it. Oh, I was, it. that was, that's so, it. so, so you're saying punt on taking $75,000 a year out in student loans and go straight into tech mobile, <laughs> jump in there as Bo Jackson. <laughs> I'm right saying there. that. And, and even that, that cannibalizes, you know, part of the target audience for the platform I'm building, right? I told you I'm working with a top tier, a tier one NCAA school and, and I'm advocating for you to tell students don't go to college. I think that- It's a very libertarian the, thing to say. Oh my God. <laughs> the, the collegiate ecosystem, I think is outdated. The model has been the same for a hundred years, right? Yeah. And I think that today's higher education system, generally speaking, there are some exceptions, but generally speaking, doesn't meet the needs of today's student. And it doesn't meet today's society, right? When you have all of these micro short form content experiences on like YouTube and, and Instagram to ask someone to dedicate four years for a degree when at least half of that is basically general studies and things you won't recall later is absurd. Or, and think, also free on YouTube, right? Like most yeah, of yeah. the content is available free. So Marcus, do you think that, uh, eventually college degrees, at least in the tech space, are going to be replaced by the sort of micro-credentials we're starting to see gain popularity from places like Udemy and Coursera and all that? I think so. I think a combination of micro, like micro certificates in, in concert with a, a portfolio of work. Because at the end of the day, the degree is useless. What employers want to know is if I assign you a task and you complete that task sufficiently right, with, with excellence on time, things of that nature. And a degree doesn't communicate that. But a portfolio of work that you've done and a very focused portfolio of, of micro certificates for a specific task will communicate that much better than a generic degree will. 
because a degree doesn't really communicate anything, then you finish all the classes. As the, the saying goes, C's get degrees. Right. <laughs> C's get degrees. I like that. Um, what what would you what advice would you give to someone who wants to uh, learn a lot about blockchain and be able to add skill and perspective to that industry? Just start learning. That's the exact same thing I did. So um, blockchain launched publicly January 3rd, 2009. And ironically, that's my birthday. And, and I was casually following it from 2009 to 2014 because I recognize it as virtual currency. I didn't really have any interest in learning anything, anything about it. Um, in 2014, I wanted to understand the systems around it because I have a technology degree. So I bought half of a Bitcoin just to see like, what's the process of getting a wallet, um, getting your keys, you know, how do you, you make transactions happen on the blockchain? And then in 2016, I connected that Bitcoin is a blockchain application. And then I just dove in trying to learn as much information as I could. And the information's out there for free. So I, I would just say, go to YouTube, type in what is Bitcoin, what is blockchain, and just start learning. It's, especially if you play video games, you get it. The concept's not that hard. What's the most unique application for blockchain? And, and what's the application that you think will revolutionize education? So most unique, and then what's the, what's the application that will, that will most likely revolutionize education? The most unique thing I've seen in the education space is issuing degrees on the blockchain. So I believe MIT is doing that right now. Oh, wow. Issuing um, actual degrees on, so on the people, blockchain. People are trading green pieces of paper, fiat currency for blockchain degrees. No, okay. sorry, not, not as an exchange, uh, but as a system of record. So let me take okay. a step back. Okay. So, okay. so there's the Bitcoin is the virtual currency. Maybe you could turn degrees into currency. That might be the most disruptive thing to happen. <laughs> Wouldn't it? No, no, I, I really thought MIT was getting to be on some stuff, man. I was, like, I was like, oh, that's over. The game is over. Yeah, right. The Saudi prince can just trade. Yeah, right? <laughs> you mean I don't have to come to Cambridge and be cold? <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I, I, what they're doing is they're giving you issuing paper degrees, but also backing that up by putting a digital version of your degree on the blockchain. And they send you a link, and then you can send a link. It goes to you know, blockchain.mit.edu or whatever the domain is. You can look up student A conferred this degree on this date with this GPA. So that's, that's the most novel thing I've seen so far. Uh, again, I think the most disruptive thing is how do you leverage cryptocurrencies which is the other side of blockchain, right? The spendable piece of it, the money piece, as a digital incentive program to encourage, again, um, good attendance and, and good behaviors you want to see on campus, like volunteering hours and going to study sessions and not getting DUIs. You know, I, I think if you, you use that, then, and, and doing well in class, give students something they can take from the class experience and do something else with, right? So if you're on campus and there's a school store, you wanna get a pack of paper and it's five bucks, why don't you use your, your school coin that you earned from doing your homework last week? So now you have five bucks you can go put in a video game. Or even more, more novel, what if you have a digital system of arcades that accept that token? So when you do good in school, you can now, what normally you would pay for in cash, it still accepts cash, you could use your 
I'm a good student coins to play on the arcade machine for free. That's tremendous. So Marcus, you're currently located in my hometown, Tampa Bay, Florida area, at where the um, physical sports scene is on fire right now. Tampa Bay Lightning just won the Stanley Cup. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays are just beginning the World Series tonight. The Bucks are having a pretty good season with Tom Brady at the helm. Um, what's the esports scene like in Tampa right now? Are we also on fire in esports? Not quite yet, but we're getting there. Nice. So we've got University of South Florida. This they just two weeks ago hosted their second annual my alma mater. Go Bulls! Oh yeah, go Bulls! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, they hosted their second annual um, esports summit. We've got um, no team here yet, but I'm having a lot of great conversations with local high schools, a, a local Steinbrenner High School, if you know of it. Oh, sure, of course. Yeah, they just launched the esports club. They've got like 60 to 90 students in it. Um, we've got something that we're planning for the Super Bowl. 90 students is a tremendous number. Just sorry to interrupt, I just want to interject. Like, it, you're talking to a couple of guys that would be amazed to see 60 to 90 students in any on-campus club at a high school. So that's tremendous to hear. Sorry, go ahead. Well, thank you. And, and just, just to add to that, if you look at USF, most recently, I think their student gaming club was either the largest or the second largest student organization on campus. Wow. Like fifteen hundred students. That's incredible. So the other thing we're working on, there's Super Bowls coming here to Tampa Bay next year. We're planning a one to two day kind of South by Southwest experience, but for gaming and esports, where we'll have four locations around the Tampa Bay area, two in Tampa, two in St. Pete, maybe one in Clearwater if time permits, where we're we're having equally entertainment experiences as well as education. So there will be esports tournaments, but there'll also be, you know, workshops on how to build a computer, how to build your first game, how to build blockchain apps so that they get entertained. Our guests get entertained in the short term, but we give them education to empower them long term. Wow. We're, talk a little bit about some of the intersections that you're seeing. We, we haven't jumped into AR and VR yet, um, but I know that the gaming industry is also leading the way in terms of virtual reality development. How do you see augmented reality, mixed reality, virtual reality, extended reality, how do you see those domains impacting education? I think the simplest thing is giving students an on-campus experience from home, right? So, you know, if, if let's say you live in a low-income area and, and physically the environment around you is not conducive to learning, if you were to put on a VR headset, you can now travel to your classroom where it may be a more conducive, visually a more conducive learning environment. Or think of, uh, and my brother talks about this all the time, Assassin's Creed, one of the most recent ones where it was in like Egypt or something. Nice. There's like an explorer's mode. I don't have the game, but he describes it where you just get to go walk around and like wherever the time period is, you can just walk around and just explore it like present day in that time period. So imagine doing like, instead of just physical field trips to like, to the, the uh, Empire State Building or to the Grand Canyon, like do a field trip back in time. That's incredible. Are, are, there, are there thought leaders or, or organizations that you think are doing AR, VR really well? A couple of them. Uh, one of them is in Oregon. I believe it's in Oregon. It's called 
vision and it's spelled some kind of weird way, V-I-Z-N or something. Um, and, and their product is exactly that. Like how do you provide remote educational experience through VR? But the tool also doubles as like turn any standard video game into a VR game. So like immediately make Fortnite VR, immediately make Rocket League VR. Another company is in North Carolina. It's called Omniscape. And they have the ability to create basically digital twins of your city. So kind of creating a, a walkable version in a virtual reality or augmented reality space of your physical city. So imagine McDonald's owning, hypothetically owning the virtual reality real estate around Burger King. Yeah, that's crazy. Problematic for sure. Well, just the just the when you combine virtuality and blockchain, and you begin to have transactions in the metaverse, you can see how you know if the internet was an open society, you can see how we're going to get some closed societies and some really bizarre metaverse social monopolies really quickly. Yeah, <laughs> Especially and, given the political climate that we're currently in, you know. Like, so, think you, about the country club created in VR that you can't get into because you're not blockchain verified. Yeah, well, that China's not too far away from that. Uh, <laughs> Say more about that. They, they have a, a social credit score, I think. I'm getting the, the deep. Yeah. Yeah, so what was it? I, I was on a podcast the other, not a podcast, I, I was on a web conference the other day just listening as a guest, and someone was telling me they were in China and they were walking around China with someone who was from China and, and the American wanted to jaywalk across the street. So the person of, uh, from China who was with them jaywalked with him. And as soon as he got to the other side of the street, he got a text message, the person from China, that his like social credit score had dropped. He got a violation for jaywalking. That's wild. I mean, black mirror. Yes. Yes. It's <laughs> a little bit terrifying. It is. We're in the speed round, aren't we? I think so. Marcus, uh, we're going to transition to a segment that we call The Furious Five. And mm -hmm. basically, we're going to just ask you five kind of get-to-know-you type questions, not necessarily related to the podcast whatsoever, but just because we think they're interesting things to talk about. We encourage you to try to answer these in one sentence, or okay. at least no more than two or three sentences, but it's supposed to be rapid fire. Okay. Uh, first question, what's the best video game you've played recently? I can't remember the last time I played a video game. Oh man, that's embarrassing. That's all good, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's all good. That's all good. That's a great answer. I can't remember <laughs> the last time I played a video game. I'm just an expert in watching them and <laughs> trading against them and making money off them and exploiting those who play them. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm so busy building my company, I just don't, I don't have time. I, it's it's sad, but it's something I'm trying to get back to is playing video games. Fair enough, man. Well, let me ask you an easier question instead of that. Should have said one. Mario 3, dude. Mario 3. I should have said Mario 3. On, on that note, what's the best video game of all time, then, in your humble opinion? It's Super Mario Brothers 3. Super Mario Brothers 3. It's all about flying in the raccoon suit. Peach, flavor, peach. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Princess Toadstool by that point, but... Oh, okay. Was it I, Peach or Princess Toadstool? I think it was Peach. Toadstool, I think, is... is <laughs> All right, all right, all right, yeah, all yeah. right. Fair enough, fair enough. Second question, what's the best meal you've eaten recently? 
Well, I just had some pasta here right before our call. So I hadn't eaten breakfast all day or food all day. So that, that was right there. Oh my goodness. For our, for our listeners at home, we're recording at about uh, 9.45 at night on Eastern Standard Time. So the fact that our man hasn't eaten all day, I'm, I'm worried about you, Marcus. <laughs> I, I, I casually snack on junk food, but this is the first real meal I've had today. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, third question. What's the best uh, movie or TV show you've watched recently? What was that show on? Oh, my short term memory is garbage. Um, Emily in Paris? Oh my God. <laughs> the Boys? The Boys on Amazon? Yeah, that's is a superhero okay. movie? Okay. Or, I haven't watched TV it yet. It's good. Yeah, it's where like superheroes are basically. <laughs> if this is going to kids, you can bleep that part out. But, but we're, 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 we're on it. We will. Uh, okay, yeah. Our, our wonderful AV guy is on the bleeping for sure. Okay, yeah, but but it's it's where basically superheroes have have you know egos and and are, are basically villains, and so average people become the heroes, fighting the superheroes. Very nice, very nice. Uh, question number four: Who's a thought leader or personality that people should follow on social media immediately, other than obviously Marcus Howard? Gary V. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary V. Yeah. All of the people jab, from our- Jab, jab, right hook. All of the people from Adam and I's Vanderbilt network are either applauding or shaking their head no or some combination of, of the two. We had to read jab, jab, right hook for grad school. So we know all about the Gary V. Good stuff. Yeah, I, you know, I, I didn't use to agree with him in esports because I felt like he was just trying to, to get in the space while the space, you know, there was some good to get out of the space, but he actually went and invested in his own team. You know, he's, he's rolling up his sleeves and putting in the work. So I have a lot of respect for him now in the gaming and esports space. There you go. Wow. Final question, and perhaps the most important one of the night. Um, if you had to pick between fighting one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses, what would you pick and why? Duck-sized horses or horse-sized ducks? Um, one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? Yeah. It was one horse-sized duck because it's just one thing to fight, right? If you have like a hundred duck-sized horses, then it's like getting overrun by beetles, right? Okay. You get swarmed. You got a one, one horse-sized duck for sure. All right. A man of focus, a man of integrity, a man of hard work and self-esteem here. Marcus Howard, we can't thank you enough for coming on tonight, man. This conversation uh, has certainly taught me a lot and we've enjoyed it. Um, Where can our listeners follow you, Marcus? They want on to LinkedIn, I'm Marcus Esports Howard. I think I'm on Facebook like that as well. Fabulous. And, and hopefully we'll be launching a podcast here ourselves, uh, the group that that's going to be in the panel in two weeks, looking to do that. And then I have my own book I'm working on. It's showcasing and highlighting the top thought leaders and in innovative companies in the global gaming and esports industry. That's fantastic. Well, we will certainly share all of that on our social media accounts uh, as it drops. But Marcus, thank you again. It's been a pleasure and an honor. Thank you. Look forward to a follow-up soon. Absolutely. Have a great night. You too. Take care. All right.